0: Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. Good morning, welcome to the show. We've given you an extra hour in bed today and hope you're gonna enjoy the next 90 minutes with us. I'm coming to you live from the Bulmer's Secret Orchard on day two of the sixth edition of the Dublin Racing Festival. And I've got a combination here in the Secret Orchard of some of the brightest young talent and some of the most established wisdom that Irish racing has to offer. You can draw your own conclusions, who fits which description, as I welcome Jane Mangan, Ted Walsh and Joseph O'Brien to the show. Good morning, all. I mean, Jane, what a special day we had yesterday. What a great way to tee us up for the, for the rest of the weekend.
1: I love how you told the audience uh, how we gave them an extra hour in bed when Realistically, <laughs> it was for us, really. After recovering from yesterday, we had Vauban, brilliant in the juvenile. We had an awesome Gold Cup. A surprise winner, but we're only halfway.
0: When you were driving home yesterday, Ted, were you, were you buzzing with the performances you'd seen yesterday?
2: I was glad I waited yesterday to see the bumper, because I definitely was buzzing after watching the horse win the bumper yesterday. I'm in my early 70s now, and I haven't seen any better bumper horse than I saw yesterday win the bumper. I was standing at the line ready to go across the track, and if Willie Mullins had decided that somebody had run away with the winning post around the corner, he could have gone another two furlongs. He might have won. I, he went to the line yesterday like an absolute train, reminding me of Carver's Hill when I saw him win a bumper of the great horses, or even Joseph's dad's horse. And Galileo won year as a two-year-old. You just saw, you saw something special. And he was definitely something special. Special.
0: It takes quite something for you to reach that deep into yeah, your yeah. treasure trove of superlatives and say this is one of the best I've seen.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, unlike a lot of horses, like there's the old saying, you breed the best, to the best and hope for the best, he's by a great stallion in Walk in the Park. He's out of terrific mare in Que Vega. And usually that doesn't work, but it has worked here in spades.
0: Well, just over 28 years ago, they bred the best to the best, and they got Joseph O'Brien. Exactly. So, so welcome. And, and for all your protestations about the fact that you're you're really kind of edging a little bit away from from jump racing, you've had. 50 winners at 20% this year. Your wave of the sea yesterday became the first horse ever to win at three Dublin racing festivals. You're not putting it down just yet, are you?
3: No, listen, Nick. It was fantastic to uh, get a winner here this weekend. Um, like the lad said, it's the cream of the of the national hunt uh, racing season in Ireland uh, uh, up to this point. It was fantastic racing yesterday. Big performances, some tight finishes, and everything that you
0: would want uh, in top class racing. And are you one of these people? If there's a big event going on, whether it's flat racing, jump racing, is there a bit of you that just needs to be? a part of that. Is, is your competitive instinct sort of take over and say, "I need to be in that"? Well,
3: I think any trainer uh, with any number of national hunt horses, or with one national hunt horse, this is where they want to come and have a runner and have have a, a, try and be competitive and try and get a winner. And even to be taken part here and have horses running well is so difficult to do that. that. That's how that's how difficult the competition is. That. Um, I thought we'd struggled for a winner this weekend and listen it's fantastic that we that we managed to get one and uh, a way of the sea is a cracking horse mm.
0: he's a he's a pretty cool horse isn't he he can do anything only two years since he won the juvenile hurdle here and he's, he's like a real seasoned old pro now
3: yeah he is and uh, he won a number of flat races hurdles. he's won a number of chases um, every year he turns up and he does his thing he wins his few races and uh, every time he goes to the track you kind of know what you're going to get from two miles up to three miles so he's a real uh, admirable horse even though he he, he mightn't be a super but he's a real admirable horse and great, great
0: one to have in the yard. And does the jumping give you as much of a buzz? I mean, you've won two Melbourne Cups, a Cox Plate. You're the only person to have ridden and trained a Breeders' Cup winner, the youngest person to do both. Does this still give you? Does this still make your heart pump?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think Nick, you only have to be here and feel the the atmosphere and the, the, the real National Hunt fans and the people who are here. For the horses and to see the horses perform against the best and the best of what is in Ireland on um, a great track, um, it's a very special weekend's racing.
0: And you talk to dual-purpose trainers. I'm thinking, yeah, particularly of, of David Ellsworth, who's just retired. He ended up turning his attentions away from from jumping because he, he couldn't really handle the the attrition rate and the injury, and, and turn his attentions to the flat. And a lot of dual-purpose trainers will say training flat horses is easier. What's your What's your take on it?
3: Yeah. Well. Well, I think um, at the end of the day, Nick, I. I was lucky enough to be in a position that we were well supported, and we had great national hunt horses and great support from national hunt owners. And as well on the flat side of things, and we didn't want to be in a position where we were building more and more and more stables, so we had to concentrate on one side of the of the of the business. And uh, ultimately, it, it's more lucrative for me to have flat horses, and that's the, the long and short of yeah. it. But but I love national hunt racing. Um, we've grown up in it, obviously. Mum and dad and my granddad and everyone has 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 had a number of national hunt horses. And it, Fans of the sport, and isn't it? I I will always have a number of a few national horses, Uh, there's no doubt about that, but yeah, that's the bottom line.
0: And when you started training, when you went out on your own, was it key for you, was it crucial for you to create a point of difference to be something a little bit different from what was happening at Bally Doyle? So you weren't just kind of Bally Doyle Mark
3: Two. Yeah, I don't think so. To be honest, it just it just happened. Um, uh, my sister Sarah was riding a number of bumper horses at the time, and uh, we we were training them and trading them, and they were running in bumpers and, and and being sold from there. And um, it, not that it happened by accident, but it, uh, basically, if you called me up with a horse, I would have trained it for you, whether it was a jumper or a flat horse or whatever you wanted to do. So so that that's how it happened. And like I say, we were lucky then to get the support of some of the top owners around, and we had some. Have had and hopefully will have some really nice
0: horses. Is that still the case? If I said can you can you train my sixty-three rated horse, would you still take it?
3: Oh well isn't that to a certain extent we we we, we do, we cater for everyone, but but at the end of the day
2: you can't train everything either.
0: Ted, you've got to have an open mind in this game, haven't you? No matter who you are, no matter where you start up, you've got to think you can do it do it all.
2: Oh yeah. I mean this young man and I consider him still to be a young man, a very young man, I mean he's 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 done it all. I mean to be that to be that successful as a jockey at that early age, you know, you had people looking in and say, "Oh, he was dating O'Brien's son." But like, lots of fellas have had sons that weren't able to do that. that to do what Joseph did, but like, and then and, and training. But he has the hunger and the ambition that's obviously in his genes as well too to be that way. You know, he's and he looks at it sort of. He enjoys it, and I think when you enjoy the game we're in and the sport we're in, and then be successful at it. So you think you've died and gone to heaven.
0: I mean, when, when, you were, when you were growing up and you were champion jockey twice before you were 20, I think it was, I mean, that pressure of being Aidan O'Brien's son, it never seemed to, to get you looking in from the outside. What was it like from your perspective? Yeah, well, I suppose,
3: Nick, it's something I've done with it kind of all my, all my career. And, and at the end of the day it is what it is and 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 i was very lucky to be in that position and and to have dad who supported me and and sarah and anna and donica like to, to the end and and we got some had some incredible days um and to be quite honest i, I think i struggled with the pressure of riding more in my last year riding than i did in all, all all the years previously and 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 obviously i was working with my way and different things as well um but i was well, ready to, to stop riding, and, and always through my my riding career, training was what I was working
0: towards. I mean, you you did punish yourself those last couple of years, didn't you? I mean, it's a, such a hot topic at the moment, particularly in, in Britain, with the with the saunas going and and people talking about what jockeys put their bodies through. Uh, just give me an indication of. As to as to how hard your life was in those in those couple of years. Yeah, yeah, like like, like I, I did, but I
3: always feel almost uncomfortable talking about it because I, I'm no different to, to any other jockey in the mm-hmm. weigh room, and, and I, I punished myself to do nine stone. That was as light as I could do. Some guys are punishing themselves to do eight, seven. That's as light as they can do. So, so, so some people are very lucky that they don't have to go to the, you know, the, last, the, the last furlong with it. But, but, but a lot of people are punishing themselves The people don't really realize or appreciate that they are. And, and I think that at the end of the day, humans are getting bigger, heavier, stronger. People, as a race, that's, that's the way we're going. And there's an awful lot of reluctancy amongst people within the industry to kind of appreciate
0: that. And so what do you think the industry needs to do about it? Do you think we just need to adjust up, simple as that? Well, you know, I, I've
3: been saying it for, for, for years, and, and like, there's no difference for a horse to carry 10-7, 11 stone, nine, seven, nine 9 stone. Like, horses are carrying 12 stone, 13 stone, 14 stone every morning. Uh, um, what weight they carry in the race is irrelevant as long as the handicap stay and the system stays the same. So, so, so like whether a horse has nine stone and a maiden and a filly has, has uh, eight seven or eight ten or whatever it is, um, or if it's ten seven and 10 stone, really it's irrelevant for me. And I don't understand why there's such a reluctancy to go forward with that. Jane,
0: does that make sense to you, what Joseph's saying?
1: Yeah, it's just, as you say, it's a hot topic and it's something I've thought about a lot and one of the defending um, arguments was welfare, you know, welfare for the horse carrying a certain weight, but we're, we're all welfare for the horse, where's the welfare for the man or the woman, you know? The jockeys are doing constantly something that's unnatural for their body and if, um, like, whatever the weight structure was introduced, it's changed very minutely, whereas we, we know that... People are getting stronger and bigger, as Josephs already said, and yet we're so slow to adjust for ourselves. Um, it's it's a petty argu- it's not it's not a petty argument. It's important, but we're so uh, conscious of horse welfare that we sometimes completely disregard the person on top.
0: Do we owe it to ourselves to look after ourselves better, Ted? Do you think?
2: Yeah, I don't know personally. Think that uh, I have no problem with horses carrying in plenty of ways. <clears throat> And a jumping game. When I was growing up, they had 12-7 and 12-10. Arkle carried 12-10 in the Massey Ferguson and 12-7. I rode horses in races that carried 13 stone and 13-7. But I, there was always been a problem. I mean, Lester Piggott always had a problem. I mean, Lester Piggott wasn't light. He's a tall man. Brian Taylor, the late Brian Taylor, was a big man. Like. Uh, horses, uh, people this, not, this is not new, this has always gone on, we're a bit more conscious of the fact that people are bigger, but it always not everybody was born like Sir Gordon Richards and Willie Carson, well able to do light weights, and that time when you were tall people said, oh he won't make a jockey, he's too big and people accepted it, like it just it's, it's, it's not something that happened in the last five or six years. It has always been there. We're a little bit more conscious of it because people are more conscious of people's health and when people are starving themselves or doing without food and it might affect them mentally and that's what happens. A lot of fellas over the years, you can look at the sad stories of all the fellas that topped themselves and there's a list of them, you know, and and that comes from wasting and hardship and one thing and the other. I think that's the point we have to look into more than anything else in all aspects of life, uh, people, uh, suicide is, is, is a word uh, that we don't want to mention. That has happened. And, but we have to look after our lads here. And whatever it might do to help them mentally better, I think, is most important.
0: I mean Joseph were you able to I mean you talk about how tricky that was just at that that last phase of your career were you still able to to enjoy the good days were you still able to to enjoy it on a sort of day uh, yeah, in day out Yeah I
3: mean, yeah you you are definitely you know you have to enjoy the good days and and you have to move on from the bad days but I think you mentioned the so as there Nick and, and what people or maybe a lot of people don't appreciate is that when a jockey is doing whatever his lightweight is he's right down to as low as he can get himself pretty much and he's severely dehydrated and taking the saunas away from the from the race courses in my opinion makes the time or the length of time that that jockey has to be severely dehydrated significantly far more so if you're doing just for talk's sake nine stone and and the rider has to be eight stone 13 to, to do nine stone he probably has to be eight stone, thirteen stripped now that night, the night before he rides, as he'll have to get up in the morning and ride work. 90% of jockeys will be riding work in the morning. Then they have a significant journey to do to get to the races. If you have no sauna, maybe you can go for a run and lose a pound and a half or two pounds if, if, if you can. But be able to get to the races, spend a half an hour, 40 minutes in the sauna, take off two or three pounds, then you're down to your lightest weight, maybe for an hour and a half you're for an hour and a half. There's a huge difference in being that dehydrated for 12 hours as opposed to two hours. And, and that's where it'll affect lads and, 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 and people will, will, will struggle and,
0: and uh, feel it health-wise. Yeah, so that would have made your life even more difficult then. Tell me about when you when you've finally made the decision to say, right, I'm done. I'm. I'm going to go on and do something else. Was there a? Did it feel like a weight off your shoulders a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and. Because um, we were um, all sort of trying to anticipate it for a bit. Well, because we? oh, yeah. he, can't, he can't carry on for too long.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, well, I think it was pretty com- obvious that it was coming fairly uh, uh, rapidly for for a while. And um, and like I say, I, I had incredible support, and uh, I was very lucky to ride some amazing horses for for great people, and. Um, and, uh, and, and like I say, training was always what, what, what I was going to do. And even when I started riding, I hadn't intended or didn't think I'd be able to ride for as long as I could. Who's the best horse you rode? I, I don't know. I've, 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 I have been asked that question before, as you can imagine. But um, um, Camelot was a really talented horse on his day. I know he didn't probably go forward He's, at the end of his career like he could have, but he was an amazingly talented horse. And uh, St. Abbey was a horse that was really good to me yeah. as well.
0: Yeah, winning that Breeders' Cup, and we were chatting a, a little while ago about what that meeting means to you. The only person to have ridden and trained a Breeders' Cup winner, the youngest person to, to do both. That's really been a huge part of your your life from before you could walk, really, hasn't it? Yeah,
3: absolutely. Um, we've been going to the Breeders' Cup since we were kids. Um, like we said earlier, it's an incredible, incredible uh, weekend's racing, and. Um, to even ha- ha- have a ride there, I remember going going over to... When Dad told me I was riding St Abbey there, it was like, I couldn't believe it, walking out onto the track and I was looking around and looking into the stand to try and take it all in because I didn't think maybe I'd ever get to ride there again. And when the horse won it was, yeah, it was very special.
0: And that relationship you had with your, with your dad when you were riding for him, was it just like anybody else with a top trainer or was there another dimension to it because you were father and son how did you how did you manage that between you
4: yeah
3: well i think um there's no doubt that there was another dimension to it and i think at the end of the day you have to be a realist and and you have to take good days and bad days as they come and i was i think i was always very hard on myself and and probably harder on myself than anyone else could could be on me as hard as other people were at times I, I was pretty hard on myself i think and um and i was the first person to apologize and put my hands up when things went wrong
0: and do you think that meant that in a sense you were doing some of the hard work for your dad because he didn't have to tell you too much what you were doing wrong because you were giving yourself a hard time
3: yeah, it, i'd say you know the vast majority of, of of jockeys will tell you that you know when it goes wrong that they, they'll know by the time they have them two strides past the winning post and they know they would like to have it again. And, and like I say, I was, I was always very hard on myself and there's a lot of races I'd like to have again as most people would, but, but, but um, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, dad would have opinions and he would let me know as well as, as, well as people uh, around, around us and the team and, and, and like, I always would be the first person to put my hands up and say, you know, I need to do better.
0: I mean, did you, did you used to have robust exchanges of views? Would you argue about horses, where they should go, what they should do, how they should be written?
3: Um, yeah, we we have we, we would discuss probably more than argue um, uh, things and what, what we feel and how we feel things would happen or might happen. But I think and you know Dad obviously have wrote himself, there always you have to ride the race that, 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 that you're riding and, and leave the gates with not a complete open mind, but you have to have you have to have the confidence that your trainer or your owner is willing to back you and that if you make a decision in the race, which is the complete opposite of what your instruction was, that when you come back you know, you're not gonna get slated because you'll win more races than you'll lose by riding on your instinct.
0: I realize, I mean, you're, you're clearly a prodigious talent, you've achieved a ridiculous amount, and you're only 28 or whatever. Um, have you ever thought about why your father made it so far, so young, and, uh, and how he managed to do that?
3: Yeah, yeah, like, like I mean, it's incredible when you, when you look back and even what the age that dad was when he went to Ballet-Dial, but it's, it's, it's you know, for me, Growing up in Ballet d'Isle mm. and, and, and seeing mum and dad and the work that they do, like, I'm not, I know people know that that works really hard, but I'm not sure if a lot of people realise like, really the work that he puts in behind the scenes and the hours that, that he puts in. Like, it he really makes it his life every year, and, and you know, that, that's why he,
0: he achieved what he has achieved. So is it, it's pure single-mindedness and determination. Mm. Is that is, is that you think really what underpins there's it all? A, there's
3: a hell uh, and and you know obviously obviously you have to be um, uh, well able to do what what, mm. what you're doing. But but like, like like I say, like that really does make every year his life and 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 the, the horses perform on the track. And it, it's it's not a, it's not obviously very lucky to be in an amazing position to, to train some of the best horses in, in the
0: world. But it really puts themselves under the pressure every year that that it has to happen. So have you sort of? Watched on and thought, well, I'm going to do things slightly differently in terms of, you know, how you're going to live your life and your ability to switch it on and off a little bit.
3: Um, I think no, I think you have to have that drive, <laughs> and, and you have to have the, the passion, and you have to be able to make it your life because ultimately, you know, that's where where the last three or four or five percent comes from, and I don't think it's really horse racing or whatever I think that's in, in, in life and in any sport or any discipline or any profession that you know the people who make things their life and really have the passion and the drive and, and the will and the want to, to be successful at it they're the people that, that,
0: that, that can, can get there you know and, and do you get as, as much of a buzz out of the out of the everyday as you do out of training big race winners I mean do, how much do you enjoy the whole process of of training the whole year.
3: Yeah, well, I, I think it's it's a lifestyle, Nick. Really, isn't it? You know, it's a it's a way of life, and and uh, like I say, I've grown up in that uh, a life all, since since I was a child for as long as I can remember, and I love it. And I love nothing more than getting up in the morning and, and going to the yard and meeting the, the lads and and uh, uh, seeing what we're going to do this morning and seeing all the horses every day and horse that maybe you know he he went nicely today and that guy maybe didn't go as well as i'd like today and i, I love the whole process and the, and the, and yeah the life
0: and what kind of place do you want your your stable to be? What kind of feel do you want it to have when you walk in? What sort of atmosphere are you trying to create amongst all your amongst all your staff and horses?
3: Yeah, well, I think you'd have to ask the, the lads in the yard probably to get that answer. But I think there's a very relaxed atmosphere, and I think that yeah. people are are happy to uh, give their opinion and to share their opinion and to, to to work with us. And and I think that we have a very good team, and I would be confident to say that we have as good a team on the hill as any training yard in the world or any establishment in the world, and, and I would stand behind the guys that we have anywhere, you know?
0: I, I'm very conscious when I, when I talk to you that you're, you're very aware that this is a, an entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. As much as it is a, a big breeding enterprise and you're creating stallions and all the rest of it, this is an entertainment industry and you want people to enjoy themselves, you want, you, you want them to be a part of it. Yeah,
3: well I think um, uh, for, for the sport in, in, in general um, going forward that it's very important that people can see what happens behind the scenes and, and really to see the journey that people go on. If you buy a racehorse, or you, you, you own a small share in a racehorse, that it's the journey that people have to buy into and to enjoy the ride from the day that you buy him to the day that the horse is retired the good days, the bad days, when he has an injury, hopefully he might not, he has a bit of time off, comes back to win a race. And and it's really all about the journey. And I think people outside the industry can look in and see He's five to one. He's six to one. And you know, I lost my fiver, and that's it. But but it's really the journey that a a racehorse can take someone on through its whole career. That's what we need to
0: sell, and that's what people outside of our industry need to see. So th- there's been some pilot filming for a potential Netflix documentary happening at your stable. How's that been going? Have you been enjoying being a part of it?
3: Yeah. So we we had 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 the guys there for a weekend. Um, it went really well, um, as far as I know, they, they, they filmed, filmed everything from, from first thing in the morning to the last thing in the evening, um, myself, the team in the yard, the horses and everything that goes on goes on in, in a training yard. So um,
0: it would be great for our industry if, if it could,
3: could go forward.
0: Uh, there is so much to the sport, Ted, isn't there? That still to be discovered by, uh, by a yeah. wider audience, really.
2: Yeah, and, and a young man like Aidan, uh, Joseph there. <clears throat> Aiden, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, was the <clears throat> first person. Everybody knows Aidan as Aiden. He's not Mr. O'Brien to anybody. I think that was the first breakdown. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, it was Mr. Prandegast or Mr. O'Brien or Mr. Ox. Like, and the people say, oh, if you don't respect him. But everyone respects Aidan. But everyone calls Aidan, Aidan. The lads in the yard call him Aidan. The lads in the street fellas can I get a picture of which are there Aiden? and <clears throat> he's brought that in to Joseph as well, to bring everybody in, they feel comfortable, you always feel comfortable in Aidan's company, you feel comfortable in Joseph's company, that's the where they were aired up, and Dunnock as well, it's that thing, people are more personable, and people in racing like to think that, to come in, nobody's aloof, standing like sort of looking, but, can I approach him or can I not? You know, as you well know from media and everything else, you have to bring everybody with you. And in this young man, we have a young man, and there's loads more young fellas. Garden is very affable as well, and the younger generation, and they're not sort of aloof. And I think people in racing gather around that and they enjoy being in their company.
0: So, I know we're we're running out of time with you, unfortunately, Joseph. But um, in terms of in terms of what's immediately on the horizon, apart from now being a International potential documentary star and training a a bunch more winners. Are there are there immediate ambitions for you?
3: Uh, Well, I suppose. always in racing, the the ambition is whatever the next step is. So, so obviously we have this weekend is is a fantastic weekend and we have a runner today Um, and we have some international races coming up over the next few weeks with with Qatar and Saudi and and, and Dubai later in in March. And then the flat season is kicking off obviously at the end of March. So it's an exciting time of year. And um, we're really looking forward to the spring and the
0: summer. (coughs) Have you got a a guineas or derby horse for this year, do you think? Um, I possibly,
3: I'm not sure if I have a real guineas type horse, but I have a couple of horses who will end up in derby triads and things like that. So I think we have, have a nice team of three-year-olds and we have some older horses coming over from last year who, who hopefully can fly the flag for us this season. Is
0: there a special one
3: there? I think State of Rest is probably the obvious one. He had an incredible year last year and I'm um, really looking forward to him this season.
0: Uh, welcome back to the Bulmer's Secret Orchard here on day two of the Dublin Racing Festival here at Leopardstown. Jane Mangan and Ted Walsh still would be a smattering of an audience as well Good luck on Sunday morning. There we are. Um, and it is, uh, it's is—it's great to have you aboard, as always. I'm glad you uh, appreciated the extra hour in bed. I certainly did.
2: There's no, um, there's no flies in this Archer race right at the moment. <laughs> no,
0: it is Baltic. <laughs> but there was plenty to warm us up yesterday, Jane, wasn't there? I mean, how many races have there been over six years of the Dublin Racing Festival, and how many have Willie Mullins won?
1: Well, since 2018, he came in yesterday having 23 winners of the 60 races run.
0: I mean, that's ridiculous, isn't it? And I think,
1: I think something of, like, 14 of them were at Grade 1 level, and then, of course, he brings off a 4 timer yesterday, essay three of them at grade one level, all for different owners. And that's the beauty of Willie. People are saying, oh, his dominance and this and that. But they're all in different colours. Many of them were different jockeys and they're completely different profile horses.
0: So he's one of these people he always seems to be kind of slightly reinventing, Ted. So he's never resting on the laurels, as Jane's saying. He's always trying to work out ways of getting new owners, getting new investment into the yard, building more gallops, doing what. You can never rest on the job.
2: No, he's never rested. <clears throat> and he's a great system. I mean, he's got... <clears throat> good people buying horses from in France spotters and one thing and another Harald Kirk and uh, different people based on the ground all over and he's sort of and Willie is not a set type of horse you look at Willie horses walking around the ring uh, you couldn't say oh that's a Willie Mullins horse like you used to say oh that's a Tom Draper horse they get him Cui Vega was 15 hands a 15-1 son 16-3 you know they're all different makes and shapes Willie buys a race horse and he's not set anything he's just He's just unique. That's what he is now. He is unique. unique. Yeah, I have never met anybody quite like Willie. You know, he's just unique. He can spot things and do things. I've often seen him arrive at the corra in the morning. He'd bring up horses to work there, maybe two or three box loads of them, and then all get down, he'd have a plan. And for some reason he'd cop one horse coming off the box and he'd say, Just go for a walk with him. Now he's bring up bottom from Close Sutton up to the corra to work. And whatever he had seen as he walking around, he'd say, just go for a walk with him. You know, he's just, he's unique. He's a one off Willie Mullins. You won't get another Willie Mullins for a long time.
0: Well, yesterday, four brilliant winners. I mean, Jane, the first of them. Now, I thought this was, was an interesting horse, Manella Kakuna, because. Again, it sort of defied convention, really. You get a horse that, that, that's that keen and that enthusiastic in a race over two, six. you think, well, that's not going to get home.
1: Yeah, but well, then you have... It was a very clever ride. Right. Danny was so economical with his jumping. He was very quick through the air and he used his jumping. And then every time he was landed at the back of his hurdles, he was able to take him back, fill him up and keep that little bit of, of energy. I, I did have a call out John Allen yesterday on air for calling <laughs> Manila Cuckoo and Manila you? Crooner in the same season. Uh, and they both end up in a Grade 1 and then they finish 1-2 and punters are confused galore. But uh, I thought it was a very good ride from Danny. There was a couple of bubbles burst. I know Grand Jury didn't run to his form. Hollow Games didn't frank the nace form of Jinto, but the Albert Barclay market was blown a little bit awry. I also would throw Spanner in the works thinking could the winner drop back in trip wow. to the Valleymore?
0: This was the interesting point, and I know it's one that Lydia talked about a little bit on the road to Cheltenham last night, Ted. It was that Danny Mullins said, Oh, the horse could come back in trip. And as soon as I put that to Willie, he's like, No, he's going out in trip, he's going up in trip. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but well, <coughs> the great thing about Willie as well, too, I mean, for the riders, I mean, he uses all his own team usually. But lads go out, and if they decide below the start, they want to do something totally different. That's okay. Yeah. Willie gives them a free hand. You never ever hear Willie say to them, It has to be ridden this way. What's the plan? You know, he might go out and say, I think you should make it or I think you should take your time. And he's willing to change. He's just, he must be a very easy man to ride for. You know, because he's just yeah. gives you freedom. And if he doesn't like some he just gets somebody else to ride him. You know, but <laughs> that's what he does. You know, he's just, it's, 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 and he rarely blames the jockey side or he may give them a bollocking when they come in one-to-one, but you never hear him in the public saying, you know, and he always, we maybe should have done something different, or we should have done that. He's an easy man to ride for. It must be great for lads that are riding for somebody like Willie Mullins. The horses are superbly well-trained, exceptionally well-schooled, fit as a flea, and like you can straight forward jump out there and be handy, and if you say I'm going to drop him out, that's what it is. They're just, it's a great yard to ride for, and, uh, great horses and a great man to ride for as well he doesn't change I mean he's had Ruby for a long time now he's had Paul Townend and the lads coming on behind him it's just that kind of a way and his father was a bit the same he used it on his own lads Sean Tracy Matt Corden Mickey Brennan you know different fellas like that it's only old Mrs Hill caused a bit of trouble there when she jocked off Tony do you know what I mean and got John Joe uh, but I mean you have to, you'll always get a contrary one somewhere along the line do you know what I mean you've got to put up with him you know
0: yeah, probably more contrary ones now but he seems to manage them all uh, pretty effectively Paul Townend wrote uh, Vauban who is now favourite for the Triumph Hurdle did we see the Triumph Hurdle winner yesterday and if we did was it him
1: I think we definitely uh, no not definitely but I was in Punchestown for that maiden hurdle and I think between the two of them I could have almost definitely seen the Triumph Hurdle winner because Pied Piper was very good at Cheltenham he stepped forward from the maiden hurdle, but so did Vauban. He tracked field door, he was on the outside. He leaned a little bit to his right, but it was probably accentuated by the fact that there was nobody on his outside. He's Galloway and he had the class to win a mile and a half flat race, listed flat race in France, so he had more pace than the out and out national hunt here yesterday. I thought that was Despite Davy Russell's best efforts pushing the pace on Fjeldor, he couldn't get away from the class of Vauban. He was very impressive and I think he's justifiably top of the market now.
0: Do you get the feeling, though, talking to Gordon Elliott and that team behind Fjeldor and Pied Piper, that they still think Field is the better of the two horses?
1: Uh, perhaps for the future, but maybe not for the triumph. That's what I was... Because Pied Piper was a very good horse for John Gosden, and they paid a lot of money for him at the horse and training sale. So Triumph horses typically tend to be those sharp, flat horses, but they might not necessarily be
2: the best in the future.
0: Triumph Hurdle horses, as you well know, having trained the winner (coughs) of the Triumph Hurdle, can come in all sorts of different packages.
2: Yeah, but you need a a fairly high-quality horse. I mean, it's it's a good race. I hear people giving out about the Triumph Hurdle. It's one of the best races at Cheltenham, has one of the best records of producing good horses, one after the other. Mm. I mean, so all the Triumph... Uh, that horse raised 102 on the flat. I mean, Tiger Roll won and he went on and won two Nationals. Yeah. Comanche Court won, it. he won an English national, an Irish national, second in the Gold Cup. Loads of good horses win the Triumph Hurl. If you look back to the, to the novice hurdles, the Triumph Hurl has produced more good horses than any race. And fellas say, oh, it's only for ex flat horses. Rubbish. Uh, and I think that's a very good horse as well, too. I think Gardens too, are very good. I think the Irish will be first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Or seventh or eighth. I think they might. I think there might be an English horse in the first ten.
0: Oh, God, this is so depressing. <laughs> and, and it really we'll, is. We'll
1: just knock on to it's the Fred so Winter depressing. and throw a, a smattering of horses into that. You saw the VT there, maybe the tide turns into the Fred Winter. and co- Gordon has Britska. We have layers of juvenile talent.
0: And I was, give, I was given two certainties for the Fred Winter yesterday. One trained by Gordon Elliot, the other trained by Willie Mullins, so we may as well go home there as well. <laughs> <laughs> They've got it. They've got all bases covered. It wasn't exclusively about Willie Mullins yesterday because Gordon Elliott struck back in the race that really mattered the Irish Gold Cup conflated a horse i must confess i didn't know an awful lot about before yesterday i know about him now jane
1: you and not many others either and i was most i didn't know what i was most surprised by the performance or the fact that he returned 16 or 18 to 1. i thought when he crossed the line, we were going to see massive odds
0: tom siegel tipped him paul keeley tipped him bill esdale tipped him i mean i, was, I think we were the only people who didn't
1: well they must know more than eddie o'leary because in his post-race interview he was telling us that he uh, tried to persuade Gordonelli to run him in the handicap today and claim seven off his back. So there you go.
2: That's why Eddie O'Leary is a bloodstock agent. And right not right. a trainer. <laughs> you know, and, uh, that's like, and, and he's very good at riding him as well, even though he never rode a horse. You know what I mean? But I mean, that's why Gordonelli <laughs> is what he is. Uh, he, le- he should leave the Bynum Teddy and the train them to Gordon and keep, keep it keep it apart I couldn't get over I could, I mean I saw this horse one day in Turles with Lisa uh, I thought he was a dirty rotten mongrel tell the truth of a horse I saw him blowing Turles one day and he wanted to do anything but race you know he ran off the track and I said like but Gordon has started him out and he's come back there he was good at Navin in a pretty ordinary race and he's found 20 pounds, 157 horse there, do you
0: Can know? you take him seriously as a Gold Cup horse now? No. Why not?
2: Do you I still think, to... think
0: he's a dirty, rotten mongrel? Or... <laughs> I don't
2: think he's a dirty, rotten mongrel. <laughs> but you
0: can't get it out of your head,
2: can but you? I can't get it out of my head when I see a horse doing that. I couldn't see him. I could be wrong. I could be... When I was a kid growing up, I thought you needed Arkle or flying ball to win a gold cup. But it's been, gold cup has been won by some hairy old horses over the years that you thought would never win a gold cup. But they were good horses on the day and they won gold cups. Uh, I was living in cuckoo land. I thought, oh, you had to have a special horse to win a gold cup. You do, but you could be lucky enough to fall across a moderate gold cup too. We've seen some old horses win gold cups. they could say, how oh, in the name of God did they ever win a gold cup? But they won it and that's it. And fellas rode gold cup winners that I thought it never ride gold cup winners. So...
0: Now, did last year's Gold Cup winner, Manella Rindo, did he enhance his claims for a repeat yesterday or were his claims dented?
1: No, I think he enhanced it. He 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 had a point to prove yesterday and I think we know we're going to see a better horse next month. The race with good enthusiasm, no cheek pieces yesterday, new rider, didn't do anything wrong, he got beaten. But I'd say he's a horse that's going to step forward again for next month. he, yeah, he had a point to prove, and I, I think he's definitely put himself back in the picture.
0: I spoke to Henry de Bromhead afterwards, he was very pleased, you know, obviously feeling a little bit of pressure ahead of today with, with Honeysuckle running, but he was delighted, he was delighted with the ride Robbie Parrot had given the horse. I said, well, is it automatic now, then, that Robbie rides him in the Gold Cup? And he, would, he was reluctant to be fully drawn on that, but I, I guess they just want to keep their options open. Slightly know. curious one, isn't
2: it? Yeah, curious one. You know, owners are funny. Uh, they have strange ideas of who should write him and who shouldn't write them, And that's been happening since our Lord was a boy. Uh, Bobby Brotherson had won two champion Hurlans and Hutton's Grace and lost the ride the third time. Brian Fletcher won two gold cups or two nationals, yeah. and Red Roman got jocked off. You know, so like... Uh, owners have they pay the bills and they call the shocks you know so uh, that's what I mean Puppy Power's a fine rider the man who rode him last good to see year, him back isn't huh? it good to good see, to him, see him, back. him back the man who rode him last year is one of the best riders we're going to see for a long time and Rachel is what she is uh, top class rider as well he's a good choice of, of three riders there I think he ran well yesterday to say he's he definitely hasn't done his gold cup form any harm or his gold cup chances any harm he's gone the right track after running at Kempton
0: I just would have liked will, to see will, them, will Britain get one in the first
2: 10 in the gold cup the first 10 Ah, they will, because there, be there, be there won't be ten Irish horses in the Gold Cup. <laughs> <laughs> That's
5: <laughs> to the sure, only reason. Sure <laughs> get one the
2: first time. <laughs> and they will. And they will. There have a few horses there that run. That. I think uh, Nick Skelton's horse is a good horse. Protecter. Dan Skelton's. Yeah, I'd say he's a good horse. I'd say he'll run a big. You horse. You like him as well, yeah. don't you? He's yeah, I was
1: impressed with him yeah. in the money He's a,
2: He's a good horse. He won't be far away. Uh, After that, sure, I mean, you yourself now, looking at him, you couldn't name me another one outside of him that you'd be worried about, you know? I thought Venetia's horse, the one yesterday, is a very good horse as well, too. A horse that won the, 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 the Dipper or whatever. The like Silly that. Isles. Yeah, Silly Isles.
0: Huh? He might be next year's Gold Cup. Yeah,
2: boss. he's a very good horse as well too. You have a couple of horses, you'll have a couple of winners. You won't have too many now, but you'll have a couple. <laughs> Just
0: to, what, what, what What do you reckon, Jane? More, more or fewer than five from last year?
1: Oh, I thought we'd never have a, a repeat. And then when Pied Piper won last month, I was thinking, do you know what, March can't come soon enough because the, the soldiers are really lining up, the army is strong here. And I must emphasise, Pipe Piper, Vauban, they were there to be bought, and they're here in Ireland. Fair game.
0: Yep, ex-flat horses, one in England, one in France, as you say, sourcing is everything.
2: Yeah, yeah, but they're just not in England at the moment. If you change again too, but when you see a a race at Musselboro yesterday, a 20 grand race with three runners, and two of them Irish. There's something, wrong in, there's something wrong in England at the moment. I don't know what it is with, with, the, with the horses because they put on a good prize money at, at Linkfield there recently and there was a whole race there worth 150 mm-hmm. grand with three or four runners again. And, and, and a chase last week at Cheltenham worth 150000 with four runners or five. Like there's something... I don't know what the answer is, but there's something radically wrong uh, with the system at the moment.
0: Uh, but, it, but it did strike me yesterday, even though we in England look up to Ireland as the kind of beau ideal of national hunt racing. The fields were not
2: huge yesterday no, in the graded races. No, well, you're never going to get them very big in graded seven races. Seven in the bumper? Yeah, seven in the bumper. Yeah, but seven good horses. I mean, yeah. no one wants to be eight. You don't want to shatter your dream, you't no, your to dream come shattered
1: yesterday.
2: Yeah, you don't want to come here with a nice horse and, and, and think you've a nice horse and finished eighth in the bumper yesterday. That's what you could have done. Like That was a good bumper yesterday. I think there were seven good horses and it was a cracking good race. I mean, I can remember four in the Gold Cup and a 16 to one on shot winning it, Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can remember, That's not. it's nothing new when you get into that kind of quality. People with a good quality horse uh, Really don't want to there's only five or six in the, in the champion hurdle today But you really if you have a nice horse and you know you're not a, a honeysuckle or one of the others You really don't want to be fifth.
0: There aren't many horses now. You've mentioned her There are not many horses that can actually put a crowd in a race course. A honeysuckle is one of them yeah. She could put people on the gate today. She can. Yeah. Is it a formality for her do you think?
1: Yes, um, she put a crowd in Fairy House in the Hatton's Grace. But there was two years there where people were admiring her from their home. And they wanted to see their jockey. They wanted to see Rachel. They wanted to see this mayor that we're all... That has probably tran- now finally transcended our own circle. Uh, I, think, I think it took Frankel into his four-year-old year before he started getting the following. And this mayor now, just the fact that she's unbeaten, she's got, we're getting our personality across that she can be an aggressive person, but when she's in her race, she's very... Straightforward for a rider. I just think today it's all about her. Xana here is a, a lovely horse. It's obviously always difficult for four, five-year-olds in their open season uh, company, but no, it should be it should be dominant.
0: She she's got a, quite an interesting sort of way of racing, Ted. She sort of defies convention a little bit, doesn't she?
2: Yeah, she's pretty straightforward. <clears throat> she can take it up a long ways out, or you can hang on to her. Um, she won well at Fairy House. She didn't have, she didn't have a lot to beat. Uh, I thought Rachel might have hung on to her a bit longer and just let her go and join the horses at the going to the last. But she let her stride on from three out. She stays well. She got her jumping. I thought maybe that might be her nemesis at one stage. She was not a brilliant jumper, but in the last year or so, she's got very quick. And very fluent, she was very good. When Henry's horses were gone off the boil mm. at Punchestown, she still came out and skated in. Do you know what I mean? The real good ones, no matter how things, even if you give a, a real good horse a bad ride, he'll still win.
0: And, and, you know your, and trainer form as well. You know, we talk about yeah. trainers not quite yeah. firing. If Henry's yeah. horse has been quite yeah. buzzing all season, yeah. she, she yeah. didn't no bother to The her, good ones actually.
2: come out. It's the same thing. Even, even for a jockey, you can give one a, a right cock up of a ride, but if he's good enough, he gets you out of a hole and away you go, and fellas patchy on the back coming back in. You give one a great ride and finished second, they're saying, what did you do wrong? But I mean, she's a very good man. I hope Mm -hmm. she wins. I really and truly hope she wins. I hope she skates in because you need your superstars to be a superstar every day, both for Rachel and for Henry and for the mayor as well too. I really, really hope she's as good as we hope she, as we think she is. Well,
0: we're going to talk to one of the men who is trying to beat her in in a little while because Jack Kennedy's standing by. But if you were Jack or if you were Mark Walsh today, how would, you, how, would you, how would you beat her?
1: You have to ride your own horse. Look, Mark, Mark Walsh needs to get San Juan to settle because he ran away at Christmas. Zan here stays very well, but so we, we know honeysuckle's over two and a half miles, no problem. This day last year, they came into the race thinking, hmm, will we go for another mares or will we go to the champion? And we came out of it with no doubt. Mm. She was so dominant and her jumping, as Ted mentioned, had gone so slick and quick that she told them, I'm good. I'm that good and I'm expecting that again today. And to be honest, if they get near her, I would be disappointed because she's, so, she's in a league of her own.
0: Is it time we got rid of the Mayor's allowance now?
1: No, name another honeysuckle. I will say, and actually I would like to, I would like to dip into Ted's mind here. In the last 10 years, we've had any Power and... Apples Jade, yep. 5 grade ones and 11 grade ones. You know, Honeysuckle's going for 10 today. But before that, between Don Run, who we all hear about, and, and Annie Power, was there money to touch these mares?
2: Ah yeah, Solorina. Salerina <coughs> was a hell of a mare, belong to the Bowls. She won the uh, Hatton's Grace four times in a row. She was a great mare, really great mare. Uh, Mark Ware won a champion hurl on Flaky Dove. There's been a lot of good mares. I think seven pounds is far too much to, to, in, in, in a, in a top-class race. In the championship races, by all means, you have loads of mares races that they can run in. You have mares grade one races. I think it's very unfair to try and give the likes of Honeysuckle seven pounds. I think it's wrong, completely wrong, but it's, it's not going to change because the breeders dominate what happens in racing. And they want it. And it has increased the value of the mayors going to the the sales and everything else like that. But I think it's impossible to give her £7. Would
0: you you take it just down a bit or would you get rid of it altogether?
2: I'd take it down. I might get rid of it altogether, maybe, in in, in the likes of the champion hurl, when she competes at the very top level. I mean, uh, maybe, maybe £3 or that, what they do in the Phillies, when um, Philly runs in the, in the Derby, she has a £3 Phillies allowance. But £7... It's a lot. Oh, Jesus, I said. I said uh, something like that. And he, trying to give £7 to Annie Power. Seven pounds, dawn run. It was five in dawn runs time. Now it's gone to seven. And, like, if we don't get a honeysuckle around, the breeders will make it into eight or nine. Yeah. You know, where's it going to stop? Well, half one, a stone.
0: One thing is guaranteed that if it's a tight finish today uh, to the Irish champion hurdle, none of this crowd are going to be quibbling too much about the seven pounds that honeysuckle's receiving from the rest of the field. Jane and Ted will be back a little bit later on. When you rejoin me in a moment, two of the brightest young talents in Irish racing will be on this stage Jack Kennedy and Jordan Gaines. See you in a moment. Welcome back, we're here with you at Leopardstown on day two of the Dublin Racing Festival. We are here in the Bulmer's Secret Orchard and a, a, a good few hardy faithful still with us here yeah, and crowd is probably overstating it but I'm very grateful considering just how cold it is in here uh, today. We might be in the Secret Orchard, there is no secret to the talent of the two men on my left. Uh, Jack Kennedy who's already I think won more Grade 1 races than all but full Townend uh, in this country. And, still barely 22 years old and Jordan Gainford who's atop the uh, conditional jockeys list this season Cheltenham Festival winner of course with the shunter who runs today Jordan's currently serving a suspension but very grateful that you're here and you were here yesterday and could you enjoy it could you still enjoy it yesterday even though you had to sort of sit there kind of gnawing away
5: yeah look um, I was a part of Garden's team here um, yesterday so no look uh, he was unlucky in the first couple of races um, horse run very well but it was great to uh, to, to for conflated to, to cross the line in front in the Gold Cup. And uh, look, it's hard, it's tough. You're yeah. pinching yourself, but look at um, taking on the chin and it is what it is. So um, we look forward to when we're back.
0: When did you start at, at, at Gordon's? Because you were going to point for a bit, weren't you? And then when the, the COVID hit all the pointing, you, you sort of changed your mind?
5: Yes, I did indeed. Um, I am um, conditioned now just, just over, slightly over a year um, in Gardens full time a year. Um, on and off before that a year as well, so um, tip, tipping in there a year and uh, there, there now a year full time.
0: And how much has the man on your right helped you
5: out? Unbelievable. Look, um, when you're riding out with, with Jack, um, Davey, um, Dennis, Jamie, Codd, all, all top lads, you know. Um, so no, it's great. Um, good friends with Jack and he, he's been great since I went in there, yeah.
0: Well, they say keep your friends close and you <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> and your it. rivals even closer. How impressed have you been with what Jordan's done so far?
6: Uh, very impressed. Um, I suppose from from the minute, the minute he came into Gardens, you could see uh, he's a very good rider, and you knew he was going to be going to be getting getting plenty of chances. So um, he's going well, and he's uh, he's chomping at my heels. You know, yeah.
0: Now Riviere d'Etel yesterday. I thought you were pretty unlucky, and I wondered if that had been in England whether you'd have had half a shot of getting that in the stewards room. Did you, did you give it a pretty good shot when you went in there?
6: Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I believe myself that it, it, it uh, cost me the race. Um, just when, when Blue Lord came across me, you can see I've had to to check my horse and her, her head comes up and it was just at the point that she was about to start getting going after making the mistake at the last. So um, I was only beating a neck or half a length in the end, so... Uh, yeah, look, I, I think it did cost me the race, but um, there'll be other days with her anyway. She's pretty good, isn't she? She is. She's very good. Um, jumps great. It uh, was unlike her to, to make that mistake at the last. Um, but uh, like I said, there's 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 going to be other days. So hopefully, uh, hopefully she gets her, her day in March, maybe.
0: And... Would you have preferred a lead for longer? It struck me that Rachel's horse, since Sam, sort of checked out quite quickly, and you kind of got left there.
6: Yeah, what of what of a nice to, to get a lead down down to maybe 50 yards from the last or something. What of an ideal? But uh, Molly one, she, she's she's been making the running in the past, so um, she's she's not that idle in front. So. Uh, probably didn't didn't make a whole pile of difference really
0: and so jordan watching on yesterday from a spectators point of view three consecutive seconds in those in those grade ones for the elliott's team was everyone starting to feel it a bit after the third one after after rivier d'etel
5: yeah look listen um the whole team has been there um well used to seconds used to winners um, that's what you have in racing so no look i suppose it's hard to take and you would be scratching yourself, but, but for compla- Conflated to come out and do, do what he did in the Gold Cup what, was marvellous, yes.
0: Yeah. How unlikely a hero was he?
5: Look, um, I was actually standing, standing at the line um, watching with, with Gordon and uh, the team, and uh, I actually said after jumping three fences, this, this, lad, uh, this lad's in a good rhythm here. Um, I, I suppose you could say Deltowalk wasn't really attacking his fences like he used to, but um, no, look, it's important he got into a rhythm um, he was unlucky in the stall with Jack um, true, true in the odd funny funny jump in, in Navon uh, but when he, when he came here and got into a rhythm you could really see he was enjoying it here yesterday and uh, no he was good
0: now, now Ted wasn't particularly um, complimentary about some of the earlier body of work that conflated had, had produced you were you were a bit kinder Jack
6: ah uh, yeah um, he was always a horse that had plenty of ability at home but um, he was a tricky a tricky horse to to deal with. He's uh, he's very quirky, but he's, um, he's after getting a bit simpler in the last couple of years, he's after growing up a bit, but uh, he still has his his odd day that he can can do something something a bit stupid, but uh He's, uh, like I said, he's plenty of ability and um, when, he, when he put his best foot forward yesterday I, I wasn't really that, that shocked that he, he won, to be honest, Jack. Yeah.
0: Now, Davy Russell, wily man that he is, would not be drawn yesterday when I said, you know, if you could choose, I said to him, would you choose Galvin or Conflated in the Gold Cup? He's too clever to be drawn by that question, but uh, you've watched them both. Under a different rider if somebody gave you the choice between them now, which which way would you jump?
6: Um, it's a tough one. I suppose um, Conflated I think could have a little bit more ability, but uh, I'd say Galvin would be a more a more trustworthy horse um, You kind of know what you're going to get with him. Whereas you, you don't with conflated so um, If conflated goes there and uh, and uh, done, do, do,
0: does what he done yesterday. He'll uh, he'll run a big race. But Galvin's just your kind of good, solid, straight bat, no nonsense, yeah. no messing around type of horse. Yeah,
6: that's it. Um, what, what you see is what you get. So, uh, like I said, he's probably a more more trust trustworthy horse.
0: I mentioned, you know, this extraordinary run of of Grade Ones, which is even more extraordinary given the fact that you you've spent quite a large portion of that time. With injury, things have happened in, in pretty rapid order, haven't they?
6: They have, yeah. Um, I'm very lucky. Uh, from the minute I I stepped foot inside the gate and gardens, he's uh, he's supported me and given me given me loads of opportunities. Um, only for him, really. Obviously, wouldn't wouldn't uh, wouldn't be where I am. Um, lot was, of it o- was it
0: obvious to you right from the beginning that that was going to be the case? That he was just going to chuck you the ball and say, "Off you go." Uh,
6: n- not really no I didn't expect it at all the, the way the way things took off um uh, I came from the pony race and I rode a lot of winners at that um I was thinking oh it's going to be a shock to the system now going riding on the track and probably not having a winner nearly every day that I went yeah. went racing um but Gordon just uh, gave me the chances, and luckily it all it all worked out. Um, I've had plenty of injuries, and I've come back, and he's still He's still supporting me, so
0: uh, it's great, yeah. And do you, do you feel good? I mean, do you feel good physically, even though you've had some pretty nasty... nasty yeah,
6: problems? yeah, no. Um, Any time I come back, I feel 100%. Um, with, I, I don't know whether to consider myself unlucky or lucky. I suppose you can make a case for both, but um, I, I wouldn't... If you, if you said to me six or seven years ago you can have... Whatever success I've had, but you'll have all them injuries either by the taking your hand and all so uh, No, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for
0: anything. Yeah, as I said, I think it's only I think it's only Davy and Paul Townend that have ridden more grade one winners of the current crop of, of Irish riders, which is pretty amazing. You, I, I don't want to I, I don't want to make you blush So I'll ask Jordan what makes him good? Why is he? Why is he so good at what he does?
5: When you're natural That's the simple word. I did. Can you copy him? I often try, it's very hard. Um, Jack is just, his hands is just to look at riding, I think is, is marvellous. Um, I think he gets horses switched off and gets them jumping. I think it's, it's brilliant to watch. Like, if you see Riviera de Tel yesterday, she, she made that little mistake at last. Horses can make mistakes, but, but up to that, it was unreal. When, when, when she ran here against Fernie Hollow, to, to watch her and watch Jack is just, it's something else, really.
0: So, is, it, is that stillness, something that if, if a young rider says to you, you know, what should I what should I try to achieve in a race? What would you what would you say to them? I
5: um,
6: don't really know, I suppose kind of try not to interfere with the horse as, as much as you can. Um, yeah. And I suppose uh, whatever happens, not to not to panic or anything. Um, yeah I, I, don't, I don't i don't really know to be keep, honest keep but, your head
0: keep your head yeah. pretty cool which is what you seem to do clearly all this success has has come very easily to you but that still doesn't diminish the the supreme importance of winning a, a cheltenham gold cup which you did on on Manila Indo. rindo just 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 talk me through that feeling from from march
6: ah oh, unbelievable um the, the the best day of my life uh, by far anyway um, it's kind of lucky to to get the ride on him um, rachel obviously obviously went to go with a at tired uh, uh del to work was after picking up a little injury after running in the irish gold cup here last year and uh, i had no ride in the race and henry rang me one evening and asked me would i ride him and uh, said I'd be delighted to him. went down and, and, and schooled him and seemed to get on well with the horse.
0: So um, Everything just worked out, it was great, yeah. Uh, what do you think the key to that horse is? In your, with your relatively limited experience of him, but what, what, what do you think he really brings him alive? Uh, obviously Cheltenham, his,
6: his record around Cheltenham, he's uh, uh, only been beaten there once. Yeah. Um, uh, he seems to come alive there. Uh, he jumps great once he's within his own his own comfort zone. Um, yeah, just I, I think Cheltenham really is what 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 brings him alive. Yeah.
0: Do you still think he's the one to beat
6: this year? Uh, looking at his run yesterday, you'd have to be you'd have to be very impressed um, with uh, with him go- going into the Gold Cup. You'd be thinking that he, he probably, is, yeah. probably is going to be the horse to beat again, yeah.
0: Of course, you tasted Cheltenham Festival success for the first time last season as well, Jordan, with the, with the shunter. It's interesting because it's not as though he was a low-profile horse coming into the meeting. Everyone was talking about him because he had about five different races he could have run in. Did you, did you go in feeling that pressure or not so much?
5: Um, I wouldn't say so much, really. Um, to be honest which I didn't know anything about the horse as in where he was going to run or, or, or if I was riding him to declaration time. So um, I remember Gary Cribbin texted me, my agent, um, on an hour before declaration and said, I have a good ride for you, in the handicap. And I said, brilliant. And uh, looked it up on the racing course riding out that morning and, and realised I was on him. Um, I suppose, looking back on it, 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 w- it, was, it was massive. And uh, at the time, I probably didn't really think how big it was. I mean, you're riding out in Cheltenham in the morning time, there's, there's not much there, there's camera crew, there was no crowds, so... No, I, I probably didn't realise how big it was, but um, for it to work, um, it was brilliant.
0: And, you know, a horse like him, as I said, there was quite a bit of attention on him, there was a lot of money for him, he was going for a, a big bonus as well. Were there ever any anxious moments? It seemed plain sailing to the eye.
5: Yeah, it was very good. Um, I suppose the start was a little bit of worry, but in fairness to him, he... he. He fought his own corner um, he was uh, he, he was with two false starts I, I think I can remember two false starts and um, he was lashed and kicking out but he he got away well I uh, walked the track with him at that morning and uh, he was hopeful of a good run, he actually told me after that the horse probably did not school as well as he'd <laughs> liked him to a couple of days before he went, but uh, no, he jumped well and uh, it, went, it all went according to plan.
0: I mean, to a certain extent, ignorance is bliss, isn't it? You probably don't want to know too much sometimes.
5: Exactly, you don't want to know too much. Emma kept it very simple, he said, uh, jump out handy and uh, start in, so that's what we did. He, uh, he was plenty keen and gassy and uh, you know, he took me there and uh, he was very good, very nimble over the last two and in fairness to him, he, he, he battled out of the line, so... No, he's in today in the handicap chase. So I'm looking forward to seeing him run.
0: And I was mentioning how you had that very smart career change almost when when COVID pretty much shut down the, the country and, and the whole sort of point to pointing scene. But for that, do you think you'd still be riding as an amateur now?
5: I probably would, yes. Really? Um, yeah, um, I, I might have went to Garden. I might have went to Garden maybe this this season, um, this summer coming. Um, but the plan was to, uh, to stay at Um I used to ride a lot Warren Ewing in the north. He was very good to me and I was based with Colin Bow. They were both looking after me very well but um, when Covid struck in there was no pint of pinting. so uh, my way was good at the time and uh, Gordon asked me up and we went from there really.
0: What would you say you learned from from those guys? I mean Colin Bow an absolute legend in his field and, and Warren Ewing not far behind.
5: Yeah, no, they're brilliant. Um, again, they both keep it very simple um, and, and so does Gordon so um, I mean they they have uh, they have a, a lot of nice horses, um, so no, I was talking to him last night. He's looking, to, they're both looking forward to the four-year-olds day this weekend, and uh, no, it, it was great. Collins' m- massive team down there, um, Barry O'Neill is down there, Rob James. They've such such experience. You know, you're, you're riding out with these lads every day, and they were they were brilliant from, from the get-go.
0: I mean, Jack. Who were, who were your sort of biggest influences as you were sort of coming through in your sort of mid to late teens? Who were you, who were you sort of trying to look up to, model yourself on? Who was shaping your career?
6: Um, well, I suppose my my, my brother Paddy. Uh, he's probably been the biggest the, the biggest influence in my career. But uh, ever since I was a child, I looked up to to Davey Russell. Um, Ruby Walsh. They were all, they were all very good to me when I started out riding. Could um, go to them with a, with any questions, and they they'd be more than happy to help. So uh, I've been very lucky. I've always had good people, good people around me. So um, yeah, it's been it's been great.
0: I mean, people say you were sort of born to do it when they watch you riding now. But when you were when you were a child, was there ever any doubt that this was what you were going to do?
6: Uh, no, I think ever since I was four years of age I wanted to be a jockey and uh, I can remember asking my parents could I, could I go and get riding lessons when I was four and they thought it was just a phase I was going through so they were putting it off and putting it off and uh, I kept at them anyway and uh, thankfully they gave in anyway.
0: Oh, I mean, can you remember what it was that, that made you want to be a, a
6: jockey? Um, my, my parents had no interest in horses, yeah. uh, it was my eldest brother. Michael and then Paddy, they used to be messing around with ponies at home. Uh, they started doing a bit of bit of pony racing and I was very young at the time. And that's all I wanted to do was what they were doing. So when I came of age, then I I started uh, started pony racing. And um, my parents were very good to me. They brought me all over the country and um, the, the pony racing is anyone that wants to be wants to be a jockey. I just go and do it. It's a it's a great grounding. So um, I was very lucky. I had that and rode for some some great people at it that were that were very good to me.
0: I mean, it, it strikes me that when you've come from pony racing and had that sort of experience, it's not such a shock to your system when you come out onto the onto the track. props. So you are sort of used to the whole routine of the day. The, you know what you're wearing, what you're doing, where you're going. Or the whole sort of business of it.
6: Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, look when you when you when you start riding on the track, you're not coming in the finish article by any means. But um, it gets you gets to get you used to different situations, the highs, the lows. Um, suppose you'd be a little bit you be good and tidy coming on. Yeah. You would ho- be ho- hoping you wouldn't be looking too out of place anyway. So. Um, I just it's 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 a, a great grounding yeah.
0: and now the question how do you beat honeysuckle today? Um
6: I don't know to be honest, I'm just gonna to have to ride my lad um to to suit himself. Uh we'll see what way the the, the race works out and uh look it be it'll be great. He, he he ran a ran a cracker here at Christmas, um he seems to be on the up so uh, we'll be hoping for a big run. Do you believe it?
5: Um, yes. Um, <laughs> oh, I'd, lo- I'd love to see it, to be honest. He, uh, he's met good ones and I think he deserves his, his day in the sun here today. Um, he really put it up to charge at Christmas, and uh, I suppose a lot of people won't like me saying, but well, I think all good ones come to an end, and I think today could be the day. He's,
0: uh, how would you play it today if you were riding Xana here? I'll
5: keep it very simple. Um, as Gordon does, keep things simple. I um, I I'd, I'd do. I'd ride him to himself, um, see what pace is in it. If there wasn't, I'd uh, I'd let him roll. But I'm not riding him. That'll be up to Jack. And I'd uh, be a big cheer definitely if he if he gets him across the line lane in front.
0: Spoken like a true company man. With with team play like that, he's going to go. He's going to go a long way, isn't he? Oh, definitely. Yeah, um,
6: he's a, he's a, a massive part of the team he's in he's in gardens every day and he knows all the horses and um, even i i go to him and ask him questions about about certain horses that i be riding so um oh, it's great to to have a, a team like that yeah. that's in gardens um everyone gets on and everyone everyone do, does the best they can and uh the the results speak for themselves on the track.
0: Pleasure to talk to you both. Thanks so much for coming in this morning. Um, I wish you well when you come back. Thank you very much. I know it's it's painful at the moment, but you'll be be back with us and Running Winners soon. Jack, best of luck this afternoon. Um, Bad luck yesterday, narrowly missing out. I'm sure it won't be too too long before the Grade 1 successes flow again. Uh, Jack Kennedy and Jordan Oh My God, look at this! Two of the Two of the brightest young talents in the, in the weighing room here in, in Ireland and a, a suitable crowd to see them as well. When you rejoin me, uh, Ted and Jane will be back and we will be joined by not only a man who is a seven-times Irish champion trainer, but also a TikTok sensation. Noel Mead is in the house. Welcome back. Great to have you with us here on Luck On Sunday Live from the Bulma Secret Orchard here at the Dublin Racing Festival and a really lovely crowd assembling as well. Uh, many of them I'm sure here to, to watch the great Mayor Honeysuckler she bids to extend her winning sequence this afternoon in the Irish Champion Hurdle. Thank you all very much for being with us today. We've got a, a terrific, terrific team lined up. Jordan Gainford, Jack Kennedy have gone off to prepare for their day and have been replaced by seven times champion trainer Noel Mead. Noel, great to see you.
4: Thank you,
0: um, and uh, As I said before the break, not only um, a legend in these parts for your training of racehorses and, of course, a Group One winner on the flat now as well, but also a TikTok <coughs> sensation. Uh, in, in homage, in homage to Nina Carberry's performances on, on Dancing with the Stars. Now, now just tell us how, how this came about.
4: Well, uh, Barbara White asked us for uh, to do something to promote Nina, and my wife is actually quite into dancing. So she was the one that put the, the, the uh, first one together. And then it got such a following, we decided we'd keep going. So we, we've had three now. So I don't know what's going to happen next week.
0: <laughs> um, and your wife, Durbel, obviously quite, quite into it. Have you found yourself sort of training through the week to, to, make, to well, improve your performances?
4: I have to tell you, I have two left feet. I haven't, I haven't got a note in my head, so I, ha- I have to follow on.
0: <laughs> it, it looks as though it's working, though, because uh, Nina is absolutely flying in this competition. Is she, is she favourite to win now, James?
1: She's one of the favourites, and it's not because of Nolan Durville's videos. She's been very good.
0: And she, it's, it's not, probably not a massive surprise to you as someone who's sort of shepherded her career for, for so long that she's one of these people that could probably turn her hand to anything you asked her to.
4: Yeah, well, the one thing about Nina is Nina will, is an absolute trier, and she is a perfectionist, and whether it be riding a horse or... Or uh, doing whatever she wants to do, she she wants to do the best she can. So she's she's an absolute joy to have anything to do with, because what what you see is what you get with Nina. She's just what she goes out there to do her best all the time. She was the same when she was whether she was working in the yard or whatever she was doing. She's a joy. Like I know she's Ted's daughter-in-law, but she always seemed like a daughter to me. Since the first time she arrived in the yard, I think she was about eight or nine. Uh, she came down with Paul, and um, like she's just been, she's just been a joy to have anything to do with.
0: Uh, you must be a very proud father-in-law. Yeah, of that, I,
2: yeah, she's great. As Noel says, she's given her heart and soul. She won't be, it won't be for the month of trying anyway. You know, she's just dedicated. She's like when she starts to come out on the t- on, on the dance floor, or she's like somebody at the bottom of the straight and Shelton waiting to jump off. She's ready to go, you know, she's given her a haul. And it's great for all of us. We're all getting a great kick out of her. Noel, everybody in racing is as proud as punch of her, and we're all behind her. And whatever happens, she'll definitely get to the last three anyway. You know, whether she wins it or not after that, it all depends on what the the votes come, but she'll give it her all.
0: Natural talent, natural enthusiasm. Comments that equally could apply to the two young men that we've just been speaking to, Jack Kennedy and and Jordan Gainford. I mean, how impressed are you (coughs) with the the standard of riding talent (coughs) that's coming through at the moment, Noel?
4: yeah well i presume i think jack is is probably uh, we've been very lucky over the last number of years like we've had ruby and barry and paul and whatever we've been exceptional riders, and uh, jack was probably i suppose with well davy of course as well don't forget about davy but but uh, jack is one of the young younger fellas that came along and He's had a tough time, you know, he's, he's, been, he's, been, he's been twisted inside out with injuries. So if he ever gets a free run for 12 months or even, you know, 18 months or whatever, it would be great to see what happened because he, he's a very, very talented guy. And ice
0: cool as well, Ted. Yeah. Nothing seems to faze him at all. I mean, answers every question you ask him, but just dead level.
2: That's him. That's him. He's very cool. Uh, he's very good, as Noel said. He's a brilliant jockey. All he needs is a bit of luck to stay to stay injury free for a bit of a run he's very young he's after to get his leg broke three times you know he needs it he's in a good yard which is a great thing he's got a lot of good horses he's a good man alongside him to keep him up to his job in davy russell uh, who would be a good man to be following anywhere, you know. And there's a lot of good young lads coming along, but Jack, to me, is a, a future star if he stays sound. I mean, he's Paul Townend there who sets the standard of the younger brigade, and he's got to match him every day of the week, riding for a powerful yard as well. We're in for some great times. I hope they stay sound.
0: I mean, you've nurtured the career of so many young, young, talented people. <clears throat> when, when you find somebody that, that's really good, is the temptation to just... Let them ride absolutely everything, or do you do, do you try and do you try and bring them on a bit more steadily?
4: Yeah, I think the most important thing for the, for jockeys when they start off is to give them confidence. I, th- I think uh, if they can ride, it's like anything, uh, like you could you cannot really teach a fellow how to ride. He either can ride or he can't. And it's, it, it, to be really good, they have to have a natural talent. And if they have a natural talent. Then it's about giving them the confidence. Like obviously, good horses make good jockeys, and if they're riding, if they're riding ordinary horses, they're not going to be, they're not going to get up there. But Jack has a great chance in the yard. He's in because it's like it's the well, it's next to Willie. It's the second best, biggest yard in the country, and he's riding horses. You know, he's riding good horses there, which make makes makes it easier for him. But you know it's very difficult to leave davy russell sitting in the way room just because you have a feel like jack coming along jack's time will come yeah because davy can't go on forever but but when davy's there as well that's that's where the where the, the his time will come i
0: mean it's worth jane just touching on on the sort of phenomenon the the life force that is davy russell there again yesterday i mean i interviewed him on this show in i think <laughs> January, February last year, and he's there looking at the camera, basically barely able to move, saying he's going to come back in six weeks, and I'm thinking, you're not going to come back at all. And here he is riding grade one winner after grade one.
1: Yeah, I think the majority of folks thought he was bananas, including myself. I, I actually, He was on RT with us one day, and we were asking about his comeback, you know, he had to pivot his whole body, yeah, I'm doing very well, and like none of us believed it, because obviously his entire body was moving to turn his head. but. The thing with Davey is, his hunger is undeniable. He's, he's coming back, yes, to ride good horses, but it's not often a, heart, a person's bottle. The guys will tell you this. You can come back and your brain be fine, but when you come down to a fence, your body will change and it's completely out of your control. He's so hungry and it's, it's rare. Davey's a rare breed.
0: Yeah, you've got to be... A little bit bananas, though, haven't you, Ted? Do you not
1: think... Uh, a I don't think bit? so.
2: <clears throat> I think that's the wrong description of any jockey to say he's a bit bananas. Because, I mean... I mean, in the nicest possible uh, yeah, way. Yeah, uh, yeah, but even in the nicest possible way, it's not a nice It's not, It's not. <laughs> a nice thing to be called bananas. Like, Tony McCoy, uh, Richard Dunwoody, they were two uh, icons in, of, of the modern time now. And they were great jockeys, great hunger. Their nerve never went... Davy's nerve is as good today as it was... 20 years ago, I think it's the nerve. A jockey is hungry, is one thing, but the they nerve. Davy's not a bit afraid. You can watch Davy ride down to a fence there, and he's the same as he was 20 years ago. He doesn't move. He doesn't pull him back. He doesn't. He sits in there as tight as you like. I mean, he's a great jockey. He's one of the great jockeys of our era or any era. Davy be right up there with the tops of any era. As I said to you, Richard Dunwoody to me was an icon. A.P. McCoy, another one, and then you had that lads that Noel just mentioned there, Paul and Ruby and Barry, They're three great jockeys together as well too. But And Davey is right in there in the mix with all that. You know?
0: We're talking about the longevity of, of careers, Noel Meade, seven times champion trainer and still training at the very highest level, flat and jumps. We talked to Joseph earlier in the show, and he doesn't show any signs of giving up the jumpers, even though he keeps claiming that he might concentrate more on the flat. You're going back the other way. Helvic Dreamer Group, one winner. Back to the back to the early days.
4: Yeah, well, uh, basically what's happened, as much as anything else, is we just uh, were getting it very hard to pay, get the money to buy the, the good jumpers, and it was very hard to compete. So just over the last couple of years, we we were fiddling around with a few flat ones and a few people uh, that were interested in that, and they, we were lucky with them. Came up with a few, and we turned a few into decent money, and and. Uh, it sort of grew from there, and we're going to have a lot more of them this year, actually.
0: And, you know, there's Group 1 races and there's Group 1 races, but this is a, a proper seniors, middle distance, Group 1, you know, sprinkled with O'Briens and everybody else. This is a proper race for Hellbick Dream.
4: Yeah, I'm very lucky uh, to have a very very good jockey riding for me here in Colin Keane and, and one of the nicest people, I don't know if you've ever met him or whatever, he's one of the nicest people I think you would ever come across but um, believe it or not that day he said to me going out, we were after, this was the fourth time we'd run against Broome that, that yeah. year and he said to me before I left before he left the parade and only said I think we might win today, he said but don't expect me to be there too early he said I'd only arrive on the line and fair play to him he did exactly what he said he just had one bash at him and he got there
0: did you get a pretty
4: big kick out of that oh <laughs> unbelievable like unbelievable i've been i've been placed in classics and I was fourth in the epsom derby and second in in the irish guineas twice and second in the and fourth in the irish derby but i i i, I that was Unbelievable! It was such a pity that the owners weren't there because it was it was they, they would have really enjoyed it, you know.
0: What made what made you transition mainly from from the flat to jumping in the in the first place?
4: Uh, the same sort of situation. I I was doing the entries for uh, the current one day, uh, and I was sort of looking, and I said, I've nothing other than handicappers. I never get I'm going to get to the top doing this. And at the time, you could buy horses for. 50, 60, 70, like if you went to Newmarket, uh, to the horse the and train sale, you could buy a, a horse uh, out, out off the flat for 60 or 70. Maybe Even if you had 80, you probably were gonna buy the best yeah. one there. And uh, we did that for, uh, we changed over and we switched everything to jump in and we just bought all re- anything we could buy and it worked. And the rest, as they
0: say, it's history. And then there was that period of, of incredible dominance. You're in a different phase of your career now. Are you enjoying it as much as you ever did?
4: Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's You know, you have bad mornings and, and uh, bad days when things go wrong and you sort of pull your hair out and you think, God, I can't do this anymore. And then the next thing you just realise that you're so looking forward to the weekend because you have a runner and you think he has a chance and whatever. And it's, it's, it's a drug, really. People generally are very happy when mm-hmm. when this man trains a
0: big race winner. Ted, why do you think that
2: is? Ah, he's... I don't know really why, because he's that really at that nicer fella at all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a great front, though, isn't it, to be fair? He's a
1: good actor, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's
2: a great front. Ah, yeah, sure, he's, he's like... Everyone knows him. He's there a long time now. I mean, he's there a long time and he's popular. Easy to talk to. As I said earlier on, he's one of those approachable sort of fellows that you can go up and talk to. He's very much involved in the guy in mead as well too. He's local, popular. Yeah, he's a fellow farmer's son, very successful trainer, good good family, well liked. You know, there's no reason not to like him. He's the only reason maybe not to like him. <laughs> can be, can be you
0: guys a... have been friends for years, haven't you? <laughs> <me>? I <could laughs> I, know I know him for
2: I know him for years. I think I even stopped the from one day. Do you remember when you first met Ted Walsh? Has he
0: changed much
4: since? I remember him riding that
0: horse.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I You're do. You'll get us taken off the air. It, it, yeah, yeah. Um, the the uh, oh, sorry, not Ted since. From from, I can't remember when we first met, but we must have met when when we started. He was he was, we, I suppose we started around the same. He was riding when I started train Wrote a good few winners for me. Uh,
2: so we're like, same same age, you know. Yeah, grew up together. Yeah, grew up together, you know. He's younger than me.
0: <laughs> and in terms of, in terms of sort of anything unfulfilled, is there is there something left that you really want out of this career?
4: Actually, look, uh, I suppose everybody wants to win. Wants to win. Uh, the Champion Earl the Gold Cup, and the, and the, and the, the Champion Earl and the Gold Cup, and I suppose you want to. Win, yeah, I'd love to win the National. I actually, have a horse this year who has a, a, a good chance in the National, uh, which is the first time I've had a few runners in it. But I have a horse this year who I think will suit the National, and if he gets in, I think and if we have a little bit of luck and we get him there fine, I think he has a he has a has a serious good chance. So sorry, which horse is this? A Horse called School by Hours. Uh huh. And so does he? Do you think he will definitely get a run? Um, he he should near enough. Yeah, I think he will. I, I think he will near enough get a run. Yeah. And will he run
0: between now and?
4: No, I don't think so. No. No. We like he came here for the Paddy Power and he won the Paddy Power without a run. So I think we can go straight to Aintree. If he doesn't go there, he goes to the Irish National. I think that will probably be the plan. Well, there you go. You not only got Noel Mead, you also got the winner
0: of this year's Grand National. <laughs> How about that, Jane? <laughs>
1: you always get something with no mead I did have to revel in the Tattersalls Gold Cup. You had no Mead beating Valley Doyle and Willie Mullins third with his Oscar Mare, you know. You're talking about top class national hunt racing. These trainers, we had Joseph earlier, no matter the horse the profile of the horse, they find the opportunity that's best for that horse, whether it's obstacles or flatten. They're a minority. That, that that's a unique talent.